been listening to some Glenn Miller. Uh, remind me who that is. <laughs> you make me Google it. There that is. Probably know it if I heard it. That'll get you in the mood. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gets me in the mood to wave my finger in the air for some reason. Yeah, and like spin around. No, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, oh, John. Good yes. week so far? It's been a busy week. It's been a stressful, hectic week. Got a lot of stuff going on at the house. I feel like I could, any, any week I could ask you, and you would basically have the same answer. Does it make you feel sorry for me? Yeah, it does a little bit. I think I'm just like you're not pity. supposed to go through life being tired and stressed all the time. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's just I think it's just this time of year. I tend to get overwhelmed and tired and everyone wants everything due before the end of the year, before they start their vacations. And so yep. things tend to to add up. That they do. So we uh, skipped a week again. It was your fault. Probably was my fault. Was I out of town? No, I was just busy. That's what it was. You were busy because you're about to be out of town. Yeah. Well, I never, I never caught you up on that. Um, <laughs> well, that's right, you didn't. But <clears throat> so I got to be careful what I say. Um. So we. So yeah. So I flew to Orlando. Stayed out there a couple of days, mainly just because. My mom lives out there and hadn't seen her in a while, so spent a little bit of time with her, but met with the CEO of a, uh, I guess we could just say a medical company, um, interesting medical company. And we, he basically, he wanted, I think, to talk to, to us about um, basically building some systems and applications for them. They had heard about what we'd, built for some other companies and, and was interested in having something similar. And so we're, you know, we're talking to him and we're actually talking about this other solution that we built and, you know, talking about how it, this, this one happened to use Salesforce kind of as a back end, And you know what I'm talking about, but I'm trying to be, I'm trying to give some details without giving too many details. <laughs> it's a sabe. And he immediately goes into rant mode on Salesforce. Really? Oh Yes. I haven't told you this, have I, at all? No. Yeah. That is. <clears throat> he says they're pigs. He said, you know, he's like, they're way too expensive. And he, he was really, and then he started going into how Benioff talks about wanting to be like the, you know, fastest 10 billion and, and you know, profitability and all this. I'm like, well, Salesforce does need to be profitable. <laughs> but I think they might use Salesforce for other stuff. And they, he's just, you know, he's like, absolutely not. Am I going to build anything additional on Salesforce? So that was the inception of the idea that they were going to build something and use Salesforce as a backend, but the client himself is just like, I really don't want to do that if I don't have to. Oh yeah. It's just out of the question. I mean, he called Mark Benny off a pig. Said the guy's a pig. Is he just in, <laughs> like in trying to say he's greedy or? Oh yeah. Just okay. totally. And I was like, damn, I thought I was hard on Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it'll be, it's interesting. I gave him, I gave him, my, I gave him whole, my card. The whole month, <laughs> the whole 
fast as a 10 billion mantra. I mean, that that's... And then you try... Well, yeah, I don't even know what to say about that. It is absolutely my dream, and I'm dedicated to being the fastest to 10 billion. And that that's not like, I want to be the, the, the most loved beloved customer support company it's no i want to be the richest well there's there's two ways to get to 10 billion one is have a really expensive service and two is to have a lot more volume yeah like just through selling to a lot more people well they certainly can't cut sell, license sells, costs sells for, <clears throat> well really because we're going to get into that <laughs> Well, in my research on some other topics, I, I looked at the, the line items for their uh, overhead, and it's, it's a pretty big chunk. I mean, there's, there's a reason they're not very profitable. It's their sales and marketing. Yeah. It's, I think, right about a half. I mean, they spend two to three times more on sales and marketing than they, than they do on actually building and, and delivering Salesforce. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous. I mean, hell, cut Dreamforce out of the equation. You could probably slash everyone's license costs in half. Then how would we do our annual tribute to Mark Benioff <laughs> <laughs> and pollute the world by flying 150,000 people in on jumbo jets and then talking about how we're concerned about the environment? <laughs> oh, let's, let's not forget the uh, ship that had to go, got to the middle oh, of the yeah, ocean exactly. to take a dump. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dropped its multiple deuces. Because we know that thing was was kind of over capacity already. It was holding on to to what it had to longer than it and should. You know have. what it feels like to be over capacity. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine it going along. It's what? just just got this little trail Gosh. going. I don't know. That was a mother load. Oh, uh, I don't know why I'm laughing. At that. <laughs> it just struck me as funny. Just, I just I just personified the ship, just holding it. You know, he's got that worried look. He's got the sweats. He's trying to get out to the middle of the ocean as quickly as he can, and just. Uh, poor boat. But yeah, I mean, what other what other service gets? You know, a, almost a couple of grand per year per user. It's unheard of. But you get a lot. You get declarative and developer tools out of it. I love how you throw right, throw around this world de- the word declarative. Like, I guess when it comes down to it, like what software in the world is not declarative? I mean, anytime you click a button or move a mouse, you're declaring something. It's a declarative metadata platform. Metadata-driven platform. It, God, if I hear them say that once more, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slap somebody. Who? I hope it's not me. Because I'll be sitting Whoever next says to you somewhere. It. You seem like a like a, you're in a very, very uh, competitive mood right now. You're stressed. I'm, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, well, I mean, I'm just typical level of stress of having to deal with Salesforce. It's been tough lately. I mean, it's been slow. God. It's just been, and honestly, the fact that it's slow, that's, I don't know. And that is what it is, but that's really one of the smaller problems I have with it. Larger ones being? The fact that it's a quote, metadata driven platform as if this is some benefit. No. This is not a benefit. This creates unmitigated just disasters and inefficiencies in the development and deployment process. <laughs> I actually, I actually do want to talk about that a little bit later. I don't know if we want to do that now or later, but I have a few things I wanted to talk about. Oh, and I got I'm not done with this ranting about Mark Benioff though. Oh, you're not. In addition to that, there, um, <laughs> there's an article in business insider and that, that I don't, 
the contents of it don't even really matter, but it's funny. The title is Salesforce billionaire Mark Benioff talks about the best. <laughs> oh, wait, no, this is funny. This is the title. Billionaire Mark Benioff talks about the best ways for investors to get rich. Yeah, I read but that. But the slug in the URL says Mark Benioff hopes to end corporate greed. Yep. I noticed that. I think it got changed. But Mark Benioff thinks, you know, because he gives away, you know, rounding errors for for tax benefits, that he's this, you know, ultra philanthropic guy that's going to end greed. On the other hand, the reality is on real people, real CEOs, think of him and think that he's one of the greatest people that they know of in the business world. That's a tale of two cities. Where does that come from? I mean, I'm not. Where does what come from? That that's what they think. The guy I had a meeting with last weekend. Oh, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And this is a very smart guy. I mean, it really shocked me. I was like, whoa, where'd that come from? <laughs> it's one of those things I felt like I needed to start defending Mark Benioff and Salesforce. <laughs> I'm like, well, there's benefits to Salesforce. Uh, <laughs> it's a metadata-driven platform. I don't know what that means, but it sounds good. But I got to smack you now, don't yeah. I? But you got to smack yourself because you said it. Uh, do I? <laughs> I didn't know you had that one. <laughs> That's for next. That's for again. the next person. That's that if says you it. say it two, twice. <laughs> Is it like Beetlejuice? Yeah. Say it three times. Yeah. All right. So, what else do we want to get into? What else is going mm. on? You want you, you, something you, recent? You want to talk about Salesforce? Uh, the the uh, foundation of the tower got poured. Do I do, do I really? Am I going to get construction updates on no on the the alt the altar on the, <laughs> the altar? The, yeah, yeah. The uh, the foundation for the, uh, the, the altar is is set. The Salesforce edifice. Yeah. Actually, I I only brought it up because I thought it was interesting because they had to pour so much concrete and they actually time they have a time lapse video of it. You are such a fanboy. Oh it's my not a, god. It doesn't matter whether it's that or if it's another building. It was it was an interesting video time lapse of this massive amount of concrete getting poured. But I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I'll put it in the show notes. I mean, for do, anyone do else you who do wants you to off, see? Do you often like Google? Videos of foundation pourings. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. But it did come up in my news feed. I did but read it. it. I did force, watch so it. You've got to follow it. I do. <clears throat> I do. Here's what someone said. The Salesforce Tower sits on a huge foundation, and the Salesforce Foundation embodies one of their core values of Salesforce.com. Hashtag metaphor. Who said that? I'm not going to say. Oh, that was lame. <laughs> this is what you get from the Salesforce people. Yeah, that's kind of lame. I didn't know that it was it was going to be probably this a fairly tall building, almost considered the tallest west of the Chicago. Is that what oh, I read? It's, John, it's going to be the tallest. It can't, you no, think it's not? You think Mark Benioff's going to build not the tallest building? Huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Are we going to get into the tower being a compensation? Or something. Oh, you know what? I don't get paid enough to psychoanalyze people. It'll be a tall building. It will be in the clouds. Pun intended. Yeah. The thing about Salesforce is that's unfortunately, or fortunately, whatever, whatever your perspective is, that's where a lot of customers are. That's where a lot of businesses are. That's where they've put their data that you need. That's where a lot of their their employees 
are. That's where their eyeballs are. That's what they're logging into. And so that's where we, in a lot of cases, that's where we need to build things. Hopefully the new tower will, will allow them to hire more people to get some of the stuff done that we need done. But man, any chance I get to choose something off-platform to, to build, even if it's integrated with Salesforce, I'll take it. I mean, it's, it's weird because, and also I want to get into some other coding things, but if I can avoid Apex and Visual Force, usually I can avoid Visual Force. That's easier. It's hard to avoid Apex because I've got to create APIs that, you know, an app is calling and that requires getting into doing Apex. That's not so bad. I mean, you're basically treating Apex as it should be as know, a but you're in Apex. store procedure language, basically. You're in Apex, you're in SQL, you're in limit land, you're in no packages, no organization land. You're in your code is mixed with everyone else's code and every other application they've installed land. Yeah. You know, you're back in that world. The metadata driven API and deployments from hell, no matter how good your tests are and you know how well you structure your deployments and your builds, you know, you are gonna hit just one, if if not nothing else, just the metadata bugs. And they they go away and crop up all the time, every week. Let's talk about pay gap. Let's get that over with. Oh man. Let's get it over with. Let's just, is, let's just get it over okay. with. Okay. We got to talk about it. Salesforce. <laughs> 3 million. 3 million big ones. Right? <laughs> right? Is that what is that we're supposed to, we're supposed to We're all supposed to go, "Yay, 3 yeah. million dollars." Yeah. Yeah, there you go. All right. Thank you. It's Thank it's easy to go through and and nitpick at the numbers. And show how insignificant they are. And to prove your point, this well, that is easy because this, this non-math person here went through and did some numbers. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But if their total revenue is five billion, then three million is point zero six percent of that. Agreed. That sounds right. Now, if if we <clears throat> dig a little deeper and say, okay, well, let's let's say what their of their total operating costs. 0.07% of their total operating costs. Then if you dig even deeper and you look at their line item for general and administration of what they're spending on that, which I'm assuming is close enough, it takes out marketing, it takes out R&D, basically. Then it's 0.44%. So it's not that big of a number. But everyone in the... I don't, th everyone, I don't think you set this up. I'm not sure people know what we're talking about. Well, I'm talking about the 3 million and what percentage of... of you know, how big of a deal is 3 million to Salesforce? But you didn't say what the 3 million is. You didn't even set this up. And what's the, what are the, what's the news? What happened? So Salesforce is basically arbitrary, uh, not arbitrarily, not arbitrarily, because they did kind of go through and. You are coloring your coverage of this, John. How? By, by, by describe, by characterizing as arbitrary. I'm correcting myself. <laughs> I'm correcting myself. Okay. It's not arbitrary. But they did go through and it's they... very deliberative and planned. It, it was de deliberate and yeah. planned. And they went through the, the salaries and looked at job roles and, and similarities between them and decided that, yes, we need to spend about $3 million to close our gap. And the, the difference the between... Weight, we're talking about the gender wage. The Again, gender I'm wage gap. To get you to set this up. You keep... The gender wage gap. Okay, I'm not a professional like you. I'm just a guy talking I'm on a microphone. To, people don't know what you're talking about. That's what I'm saying. Who doesn't know what so, I'm talking so, about? 
So Salesforce as as, m- as months as soon- ago just, just you know announced that they feel like they have a gender wage gap. And now, what is it about? A, it's about a year later now, I think. They have announced yeah. that they have adjusted adjusted salaries by three million dollars. Now, what does adjusted salaries mean? Did you raise women's salaries? Did you lower some men, some men's salaries? I, who knows? I doubt they lowered. I, they doesn't say. I mean, I don't. I don't know. You can read the articles, but I didn't see anything. I, I would. I would. But, d- and this was too quick and quick and easy of a win for them to actually go through and cause. It's a, been a year. But a year. I mean, seventeen thousand employees and analyzing it and determining that three three million is the number. Either way, it's a small number compared to everything else. The number of employees they have. If you assume that. If we look at the numbers, they say 30% of their workforce is women, of their you know, total population of yeah. employees is women. So if you look at that number- 30, It's about 3,900 em- women employees. No, it's about 5,100 of 17,000 employees. If you say 30% of that is- Oh, I saw that they have 23% women. Is that not right? Uh, I looked at their diversity numbers, and their diversity numbers shows a 70-30 split between women and females, so maybe your number's more accurate. Okay. This was more of a generalization. Okay. So, you're, let, so let's you're, say 30%. So you're, your number gives them more... Okay, so it gives them... So I give them more credit. Okay. We'll take that's that. 51, that's 5,100 employees. Okay. And so if you just say every one, of the, every one of those is getting an adjustment, and we just average it out, that's roughly $588 a year, Yep. and, it, and that's about $50 per, a month. Yep. For people... By the way... By the way, a lot of these people are in San Francisco where the cost of living is quite high. That's not that big of a, a difference. That's not no, that big of a jump. It's certainly, you know, if you if you look at you know, salaries in in tech, especially on the West Coast, I mean, that's certainly under a percent. Yeah. Now, I'm I'm not I'm not illustrating this to say that it's not enough and they should pay more. What I, what I'm saying is it's indicative of the fact that there probably wasn't really that big of an issue there to begin with. Their gap wasn't really that big. Wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me that perhaps, perhaps Mark Benioff is demagoguing a social issue? No, no, no. You, you would, you, well, you no. wouldn't accuse him of that. No, or at least on. not publicly. I'm, I actually want to give him credit, to be honest. <laughs> so I want you to play my, my first video. I don't have any videos. Yes, you do. It's in the Google Docs. Uh, I don't it's have my first I video. don't have a browser open. Oh, you should. I set this all up for you. Why don't you do a song and dance? So we're going to go back browser. in time. We're going to go back in time to an interview with Cindy Robbins, who's their head of HR, and Leela Seika. Is that how you say her last name? She's like VP, executive, corporate, whatever. She's big week there. I'm sure you just mispronounced her name. I'm sure I misplaced her job role, too. It's because you don't like women. You would say that. You don't think women... So we're going to go back in time. We're going to listen to this interview where this all kind of started, where they kind of kicked off because they're, 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 they're the ones that kind of brought this to Mark's attention. This is not a new concept, the idea that equal pay is you know, what's going on with equal pay across the world and certainly in technology. It's loud now, which is awesome. It's awesome. Super awesome. World's most innovative companies, number two, Salesforce. In April 2015, CEO Mark Benioff committed to eliminating the gender pay gap at Salesforce, which apparently was about half of a percent. I think we should look at this. Like, and Cindy clearly in HR has some ability to discern if that makes sense. We talked and talked. Does this make sense? How would we do this? And then we really, Cindy came up with the idea that we should go ahead and take it to Mark. She needs to cut back on the cigarettes. I remember Mark saying later that he was sort of surprised that the idea that he thought that. Um, oh, Salesforce isn't a place that has a huge pay gap. I mean, was that his reaction? And his reaction was pretty awesome, right? He was like, 
uh, really? A little bit like, really think that? And then action began. It's the start of a long process because we have nearly 17,000. Tell me to pause. Yeah. Yeah. So even Benioff at the time, which, which was my reaction whenever they started this whole gap thing, diversity thing, was that really Salesforce of all companies who's fairly sensitive to any and all social issues. Oh, they're all, they're very like, you know, if you, if you believe what gets written and it's, they're very socially progressive, right? Right. Okay. And it's, it's hard to believe that a company like Salesforce would have some kind of yeah. but nothing bias. But nothing but big attiring, really? Yeah. But hey, John, it's okay because it's awesome. Right. <laughs> so even Benioff was, was skeptical at the time that this was an issue within his company. Yeah. Okay. And employees. <laughs> But we've started the process, we've begun it, we've, we've taken a sample set already and taken a look at that. And we found that, you know, there's not a lot of uh, disparity based on this initial sample set, but we've, we are adjusting believe, some male and female salaries. If you They're adjusting male and female. Yeah, so I mean, right there they said, well, we weren't really finding an issue, but we're going to keep going. We're going to keep seeing yeah. if we can By the way, they're going to say, hey, John, here. we need you to come in the conference room for a minute. Yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be lowering your salary some because it turns out that you... You make more than the average woman or something. <laughs> I don't know if they'd be adjusting salaries down unless they found some like gross negligence where someone was just like getting some massive bonus arbitrarily. I don't I don't think they're going to say, hey, we're going to dock your pay because if, if they came to me and said, hey, we're docking your pay just because women, I'd probably be like, uh, OK, I'm out. I'll see you later. Yeah. This is, I mean, I, I, I mean, I have because it's an inverse injustice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I mean, I, I have fun poking, poking fun at these things, but I mean, you know, honestly, I mean, if if they have, I don't know how else to think about it. If they were give, if they were offering women less money because they're women, those people need to be fired. Right. Those people are bigots and they need to be fired. Yep. Have, have, they, have they done a mass firing of the bigot hiring managers? Nope. And okay, I looked so, at it, I was like, well, maybe HR had a problem because, I mean, Cindy's relatively new to the role. She's, she's a recent in the last few years. But prior to that, it was also run by a woman um, who actually went on to BMC Software, which we talked a little bit last, last time. So she's now HR, head of HR over there. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like this wasn't, it's not like there's some kind of boys club here that I, that I can see. But we'll let and do they believe that they have this what seventy eight percent or seventy six percent wage gap thing or twenty whatever you know so if you do the inverse to like twenty three percent I think is what it was. Well, they actually, no, I, th they're, I think they're, they're saying no. that they they looked at it, they actually found a, an extremely small. In fact, yeah. I mean, I wonder if it was even past like a statistical significance test. I wonder if they got anyone who knows stats to come in and say, hey, was that a sampling error or measurement error? Did they did they did they block for all these things? Yeah. Can we get a six sigma black belt, please? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Salesforce. If anyone from Salesforce is listening, I'm my statistical services are available for hire <laughs> for a modest fee. Being guaranteed equal pay, does that limit, for example, a hiring manager's ability to be flexible when, when offering making someone an offer? It's now kind of part of the culture. That's an, that's another thing. I mean if, if we're that so, was actually a good question. It is a I great think. question. And it's 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 a, that's a hard situation. Let's say so let's say that you know you uh, you, you do a bunch of interviews and you decide you're going to make an offer to a woman, you make an offer, it's accepted, they work there. Six months later, uh, your business is growing great. In fact, everyone's business is growing great. It's harder to hire people. The, the, the available workforce looking for jobs is, is smaller. And in order to hire another person 
for the same role, you've actually you got to you got to make a higher uh, the, the supply and demand has shifted, right? And you've got to offer more, right? Do you not have to retro go back to all of your other employees that you've hired and say, hey, we've parity, right? We got to have parity. That's the word. Yeah, I mean this. You can. They, that's that's not if, how if they. You can. You really. This gets very. I don't see how they did this. This is very difficult. Did yeah. they actually lower some people's wages? Did they? I mean, you know, we can get into. I mean, you can get into the whether you think the wage gap exists, and if you do, what is it seventy percent or is it? You know, look at the Wall Street Journal if you want to. If you want a, um, they they had, you know, something about the wage gap gap myth that won't die, and they really look at. It's just a different take. Maybe it's if you block for all these things, you know, the 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 fields that go people go into, the amount of hours they actually work. You know, it may not be as big as some of these numbers say. I'm not going to get into whether what the number is because I, I don't know. But there are two sides to that story. Right. I'll just leave it at that. So it gets very hard to do this in a way where you're not causing more problems than you think you might hopefully be solving. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's really really tricky. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because, I mean, that's, that's a very valid point with, you know, that scenario you described with hiring and, and the timing of everything. And even even the individual's negotiating skills has an impact. I mean, if, if I'm a better negotiator than, 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 you know, someone else, whether they're male or female, I'll likely get what I ask for, especially if I know the demand in that industry. Well, people or who value. negotiate well are always going to get, they're always going to get a better a deal. But these numbers don't take into account. They, they don't right. take that into account. Well, they don't yeah, take into account the experience level, the, the, the you know, the I don't know person's they ability. They might to, have. You don't know what they took into account. They didn't really say, did they? That's true. And, you know, as a side note, they haven't released anything, any actual numbers about their wage gap. All they've released not. is this, this blanket number. However, however, they are supposed to, in February mm-hmm. of 2016, release details about everything. So they're supposed to release all their details about their wage gap and, and everything else and how this is contributing and solving for that. They got to cook the cook that book really well. Get all those numbers looking no, the way they want to look. No, it's in marketing's hand, and they're going to put a nice brochure around it. <laughs> that's give it to marketing, right? So they that, can that's hand actually, it out. That's really smart. <laughs> Let marketing do it. They're very good at that stuff. They are. They'll figure it out. Yeah. But yeah, they, you know the if you actually look at experience, number of hours, field you went into, um, all that kind of stuff. I mean. I think the numbers look different, and they and again, I don't think they, I don't think they specified Salesforce did on on what they did. They just said that they, and you know, back to the three million number. I mean, because your point was back to the when I was hounding you about not setting up this segment correctly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they adjusted, they adjusted, their, they adjusted towers by a total of three million dollars. And if mm-hmm. you know, and if they, assuming they adjusted women's salaries, it, actually, let's say they adjusted, let's say they found that every woman at the company needed their salary adjusted, right? Then, then you're looking at, you know, a few hundred bucks a year or something like that. Right. But that's not, that may not, that's not really a fair way to look at it because they probably only found a, it was probably only found that a subset of women needed, actually needed, you know, a salary adjustment. So, I mean, you know, maybe a, a much smaller number of women got, you know, like a three or four or $5,000 parity adjustment. I don't know. I, I, th- I think. That would make a lot more sense. In, in the interview, I think it's evident that they weren't finding evidence of a, of a gross gap. You know, the gap wasn't as, it wasn't immense. It wasn't huge. It wasn't pointing to some immense problem within their hiring or their management. It was just illustrated that, yeah, there is some kind of gap. It probably happened naturally, in my opinion. It, it probably happened through just the natural fluctuations of the market. And, and maybe, maybe it's an exercise of maintenance for companies like Salesforce who, who maybe are very conscious of this kind of thing. And maybe it's just, a, just an act of maintenance where every few years they reanalyze everything and try to 
you know, bring everyone to parity yeah. to your point. Well, when you look at, you know, an engineering department's got 70% women. Look at the accounting department. I'm just making these numbers up. It's, you know, got 70, oh, sorry, engineering, 70% men. Let's say marketing is 70% women, right? Right. And let's say that, you know, engineering department gets paid a lot more than marketing does because they're more in demand and they have more education and, and right. That's just what the market requires. If you want to hire good engineers, it requires more than if you want to hire a good marketing person. Right. You know, do you say, hey, that's not fair. We have to equalize engineering and marketing salaries because marketing is traditionally heavy female and engineering is traditionally heavy male. Is yeah. that the fair thing? I mean, I don't know. I don't, th- you know, I don't think Salesforce is going to that degree. That's a lot of people think you should. Yeah. But that gets even more difficult. And we don't, we don't um, have to go ahead. Go ahead um, with that. We can't just look at it from, Oh, let's just take a review of the employees we have today. It's now going to be built into our compensation philosophy as we hire people. And also as we hire people in our philosophy, we have to take a look at it. The upward inflection. Oh my it's, gosh. It's getting, I noticed that as well. As we promote people, it's really, she's got, Oh, she got the, the vocal fry too. As we promote people. We have to look at our <laughs> philosophy. Stop focusing on how she says Ignited it and what she said. If you will, inside of Salesforce, we've put together a mentoring program where we've found high potential women. We've set them up with mentors. We've encouraged them to learn more about how we run Salesforce. The company is really embracing it. It's a really interesting moment in our company. Why is equal pay important at a company like Salesforce? I mean, I, I don't think it's really about Salesforce. I think this is an this is an industry issue. This is not something that we're like trying to own ourselves. No. We want other companies to take notice of it and do something about it. And I think we're starting to see that momentum already. The idea here is we're really trying to magnify the attention on the issue and make sure it's being discussed. And since we have such a great platform at Salesforce to do that, it's pretty awesome to get. I can't tell if they're talking about the Salesforce one platform. What do they, ta- what do they mean by platform? Salesforce. <laughs> the company or the I I don't uh, the, either way I mean that that's pretty much that's yeah. pretty much the tail end of the of the the audio but I mean there's a few interesting things I, I will I will however say that when you start getting into upward upward inflection mode you start you seem kind of preachy to me almost like I'm better than you because we should be doing no. this you're, you're, and I think you're reading too I mean although that is annoying you're reading too much <laughs> into it that's just the way some people talk in certain parts of the I, country I think I think okay so. Ultimately, I'm to wrap a bow around this topic. Ultimately, this isn't bad news for Salesforce. No, it's great. This is great for Salesforce. Three million is an easy number to swallow for them. Very easy. Okay, so what Salesforce's revenues seven billion now or something like that. Most of their expense, they don't make any money. So we know we they, we know they spend seven billion dollars a year, right? Right. Most and their biggest expense is salaries. So you can do just some rough, easy math. I mean, three million dollars as a part of whatever how many ever billion they spend on salaries is an incredibly vanishingly small number. Right. It, it so, also, so maybe what they found is just that, hey, we had hardly any problem. Yeah. In fact, we probably shouldn't have even brought it up. Because no, I think they want to bring it up. So, <laughs> he, so here's this well, part two. Right. Here's the other part of okay. it that's really good for Salesforce is that they did do the analysis. They found it's not an issue there. If, if it was an issue, we would have seen probably touting mass firings. We probably would have seen a larger number. Yeah. Like a, a report. I mean, a, a huge shift in their diversity numbers. Right. I mean, it, it just, it didn't happen. Right. The other thing is it gives, it gives Mark something to talk about. Yeah. It gives him yeah. to talk about how right. great we're doing. Oh yeah. You know, well, let's see what we have here. Okay. Come on in. Come on in. Oh, not that Things one. All right. Okay. premature there on me. That was the next one. <laughs> I know, but I'm, I'm not ready for that video. Oh, yet. he said, okay. That's a different topic. Okay. 
But I'm still trying to tie the bow. So here's where I give Mark Benioff credit, because I, I said earlier that I wanted to give him credit for all this. And that, and that is, two of his top executives came to him and said, we think there might be an issue here. And he, his reaction was, really? I don't, I don't uh, think that's yeah, possible. Right. But let's, let's, let's explore it. Sure. He didn't go and dismiss them. Right. He didn't, he didn't get- go off and say, oh, stupid women, <laughs> you know, bit, let big boys here are working. Right. You know? Yep. He did the right thing. He, he, he listened to them. He explored it. He said, well, let's, let's find out if it's an issue then. I don't think it is, but let's, let's go for it. Let's see what it is. Yeah. And it gave him a great story to go around and tell. Right. And that's my bow. But if you say that you've, you know, adjusted salaries by $3 million, you know, everyone fawns over you and writes articles in every paper from coast to coast. Yeah, the, the other part of this is just the people who, because it's such a small number, you have a lot of these kind of media outlets that are trying to justify the number when they don't have to. Did I get upward inflection myself? I think I, I think just did. You did. <laughs> See? You're up talking. I'm up talking because Gosh. I'm trying to say I'm better than the media. Man, where's mine? I don't have mine. <laughs> About to get dinged. Here, I'll, cl- I'll click for you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I've noticed that I've been reading articles and they're, they're all like, here's why the three million is a big deal and this and that. I'm like, no, all it, all it illustrates is there wasn't that big of an issue there, which is good for Salesforce. It gives them something to talk about. It puts focus on the issue for, and the issue is there in the tech sector, to be honest. But I mean, Intel, I read an article about Intel who's, who's pledging 300 million to solve this problem. That's, that's a bigger issue than Salesforce's 3 million. I mean, what does that mean? They found a $300 million problem? I don't know. That could all be PR marketing to say, hey, we're going to pledge 300 million to solve this problem. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is this kind of becomes a social pissing contest. Yeah, exactly. But and you know what, Salesforce wasn't wasn't out of the norm. If you look at the tech industry in the Bay Area, yeah, my third demographics or the whatever, demographics, general, yeah. yeah. When it comes to women, everyone's about the 70-30 split, which, you know, we meant we talked a little bit this offline and you mentioned it that that might just be the labor pool. The labor pool could be 70-30 split. I mean, the population is, is you know, 50, 51 to 50 or something. So right. that's what everyone wants to focus on is the population. <clears throat> there's other factors, you know, there's, there's, you know, whether women are choosing the tech industry to begin with, whether, you know, whether they're in that labor well, pool now, when you look at whether in- or not they want to be stay-at-home moms, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. And when you look at, I guess, industries that are, that are women-dominated, I mean, that, do, do that, does that need to be fixed? Is it, is it unjust that there are more women teachers than men teachers and more women nurses than men nurses? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I do. I'm not an expert the on these things. syndrome on nurses, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're a nurse, but yeah. you're a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you want to be a nurse? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this, I guess this ended the way I thought it would, which is, uh, I mean, cause I, I don't know. You, you know, I think you probably, we, we both know, you know, incredibly smart, talented, strong women that work at Salesforce. And it's it's very difficult to imagine that they are working for substandard wages and for a r- oppressive, bigoted company. It, it just, yeah. I, I, you know, I've never, from, the, when they, from when they announced this, I thought, I, boy, that's, I mean, I'm not saying it's not because I don't, I don't know, but that would just be shocking. I yeah. just, I don't think that's the case. Not only that, I mean, I mean, just about, I don't, I don't know any project I've worked on that didn't have a woman involved. And at that, that woman was in charge in making the decisions, whether they were the business analyst or whether or not they were their client. No, but was she being pay, paid uh, equally for it? 
That uh, yeah, maybe that's true. I'm just I'm just talking about the overall diversity. I'm talking about the community, our interactions. You know, I don't. I'm not seeing an issue where I'm supposed to be seeing an issue. I guess. Yeah, I mean, there are issues, right? And I don't think either one of us are saying that there are not issues. No, no, right? no. Um, just thankfully, I think we're making progress on those. And thankfully, there's a lot of companies I think you can go work at that are really just looking for the best people. Um, and that's the way it should be. It shouldn't be. You know, trying to meet the quota of how many minorities, how many, how many women, how many, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of that type of mentality. I'm, I'm a fan of who's right for the job, who's there. And if someone is making decisions based on race or religion or all those kind of things, those people need to go. Well, what if they're, what if they're making decisions on the race because they, they want to get more non-white people? That's okay. That's no different. Well, that's, that's up for debate. <laughs> That's still meeting a quota. That's still, I, I don't know. Well, that's, I, I guess I see what you're trying to say, but at the same time, it's, it's in an ideal world in a new, in a, in a, in the ideal, you know, the pie in the sky, right. cloud nine scenario. We wouldn't have to worry about these. We things, wouldn't right? have to worry about these yeah, things. I'm just glad other people do it. And I don't have to deal with this. I certainly don't. I certainly it's, don't. It's stressful. I don't even like talking about it because I know, I know there are people when they hear us again, poking fun at this because we poke fun at everything, but still, because we're poking fun at this, they're going to, we know they're, we're going to be, I don't, we're going to be stereotyped or cast as whatever as being, you know, against the w- the women progress or whatever. And that's really, if that's you should just stop if that's what you're thinking. Cause <laughs> well, I'm not, I don't think we've been poking fun at it. I think we've oh, been, I have. we've been, well, okay. <laughs> we, we are entertained. That's what I do. I mean, we, this, we try to be entertaining. This is, so, so we've, we've, we, we go back and forth on these things, but I did the research. No, I people, looked at it. I read think, articles. People, I read, I read their financials. You know how painful that is? You know how yeah, painful pe- that is. People think we are a, an actual like news serious podcast. No, they don't. <laughs> I will. <laughs> if they do, they're sorely mistaken. So let's move on. All right. You had some stuff before I get into my stuff, right? No, I don't know. I guess. Um, hey, John. What? Hey, Jeremy. Do you, <laughs> you know what month this is? Uh, November, no mustache November or something. It's no code November. Oh, that's right. <laughs> You forgot about that? I'm poor. Huh? No one's been giving me any work because it's it's no code November. Oh, yeah. they so were, they replaced you with click. Now I need charity. Yeah, they just, they replaced you with the ten people to do click buttons. They did. They hired ten monkeys to cl- click random buttons on a keyboard, and eventually they'll get it right. Right. So if anybody wants to hire me, because I'm poor now, because because everyone's doing this uh, no code. <clears throat> no, so I, I you know I don't know I don't know what the extent this is a thing, but I heard you know I heard it on the uh, button click admin podcast. Where else did, where have you seen, is this a, is this a thing outside of like the Salesforce world or is this just a, a little Salesforce thing? I think it's a Salesforce okay. thing. Well, I thought we could talk about that. So the idea is for a month, you don't do any coding. You see how far you can get by draggy droppy clickety clackety. Oh, you're getting into my topic too, but <laughs> am I? Yeah. That's okay. Uh, this is a perfect time to get into it. Right. So I'm going to, I'm, of course I'm the, um, I will be the. A defensive, paranoid a developer role. Okay, <laughs> am I supposed to be the the pro the the pro admin? <laughs> yeah, let's role? let's act this the out yin here. and yang of this conversation. All right. So I think if you are trying to do a no code November, then you are reckless and irresponsible, and you should be fired. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I want I want to play the devil's advocate, but I'm, I agree with that statement so much. 
if you are not using the right tool for the job, exactly. then you should be fired yeah. and you should reevaluate what your philosophy but I don't, is. But I don't, okay, so, so here's the, the yin and yang, the admin partial part <laughs> of me coming out. It's, it's not meant to discourage coding. I think it's meant to kind of just have you get out of your comfort zone, get out of the zone of, of oh, I know how to create a field. I know how to create a, a really quick and easy roll-up summary. It's to kind of force you to look at what the tooling has, what's out there, especially because there's new tooling now. There's, there's the process builder now. There's a lot of new things that you can do things with. There's flows and process builder and you have your, you know, of course, your workflows. These are all just different tools in your, in your toolbox. And, and maybe people have not explored them. Maybe people are still stuck with workflow and aren't using process builder enough. Or maybe they're, they haven't explored flows yet because they can, they can kind of get that but done But this isn't workflow. like new, learning something new about Salesforce month. It's no code November. It's a challenge. It's, it's, a, it's a way to say, okay, I need to get XYZ done. Can I do it without hiring a developer? That's like saying, you know, it's my job to flip burgers at this restaurant, but I'm going to see if I can have some alternate way of cooking them instead of using the griddle. I'm going to, you know, set up a tiki torch can in I the back. Can I flip burgers without a spatula? <laughs> exactly. I'm going to use my hands. No one will mind. Um, yeah. So I see your point. But I, I think right tool for the job overrides everything. You know, if a validation rule is the right job, then do a validation rule. You know, I, I just showed you last, last week this monstrous formula I had to look at and try to understand. <laughs> and it made me want to quit and go to, you know, go live in Tibet somewhere and take up, you know, being a monk or something. Yeah. And, and it was I that mean, situation. Obviously, this whoever created this formula probably didn't know. For example, um, probably didn't have like developer skills. They probably didn't are not familiar, are not comfortable with Apex. They were using the tool they knew how to use, which in this case was a formula. And it's unreadable. It's unmaintainable. Something went. Something was wrong with it. And no one. You could look at this thing. and You're like, I can't tell what this does. You know, the last line of this formula is literally a 82 closing parentheses. Oh, yeah. But that's what you have to build formulas because operators, I'm sorry if I'm going, you know, I'm going to use some jargon here, but operators in the for, in this form, Salesforce formula language, well, there's really no operator, like Boolean operators, they're functions. So mm-hmm. they nest all weirdly and it just, it gets very out of control very fast. And yeah. if they just, if this was simply would have been written as some kind of in apex code and based on a trigger or something it would have been it could have been far more readable far more maintainable much easier to test but no they they chose the wrong tool i agree it, it was that situation that inspired my topic why i came up with this whole new topic and it's i picked a few things that i thought we could give some advice on for dealing with ugly orgs and I, I say ugly orgs as in orgs you walk into and there's just, you're not expecting anything. You just walk in and all of a sudden you see this thing. Yeah. It's a monstrosity. So now you can play my video because this is, this is how, how, yeah. how a lot of my, my situations start. Are we, are we done with the no code November? Are we still in that or what? Let it go. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear with you. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. No! No! Oh my! What? What? Have you ever thought about getting rid of this shit? This is <laughs> some shit! You live here? This 
place sucks. This is the worst place Org. I've ever been to. <laughs> I'm getting punked right now. No, I'm getting punked right now. When I walked in, I was definitely. <laughs> so I, I found that and I was like, you know what? This is perfect to describe how I feel sometimes when I, when I see an org for the first time. Yeah. And so I thought, okay. And, and, and it was truly really inspired by that formula. Are you, are you know you're going to be in trouble when you open up some class called like testcoverage.cls and it's like assigning the zero to I over and over and over for about 50,000 lines. Oh, so they get, so they can <laughs> so increase the their code test, coverage. Yeah, test coverage. Oh, that's when you and know I, you're in and trouble. At, and actually I came across a few clients who asked me some, some very interesting things as well. So I came up with a handful of topics that I wanted to explore with you and get, and get your feedback on how we can better do this. All right. So one of my first things is hoarding. We have a serious problem in the Salesforce industry community with okay. hoarding. What you, you know, like custom fields? Custom fields, code, development. No one wants to get rid of anything. They need it. I love They have to have it. If they get rid of it, they can't get it back. One of my favorite things is to do is to delete code. Oh, it's, it's, oh, I am, I'm like the opposite of hoarding in all aspects of my life. I will go through my house. In fact, end of day, the kids know that if, if they don't get their toys put away, daddy's probably going to throw it away because he likes throwing stuff away. And if it wasn't so difficult to refactor code on the Salesforce platform, I'd be, I'd do a lot more deleting code. But it's not even that it's, it's. It's people who have replaced functionality and decided, no, I don't want to get rid of that class. I just want to comment uh, oh, it out. Oh, dead code. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to right. get rid of that trigger. Yeah, I just want to comment it out. The whole thing. I want to deactivate <laughs> it so it doesn't run. Right. I'm like, well, delete it's, it. Well, no, it's that. John, get rid of it. Okay. These are people who that is their version control system. Leaving entire classes, dozens of classes, hundreds of classes, just comment them all out so that so they don't create future code coverage problems for you. That is their version control system. Yeah. So, so when we talk developers, okay, so a recommendation is version control, right? If you have a version control system, whether it's a version or a Git or, oh, man, what are some of the other ones? Mercurial. Mercurial. Or the, what's the .NET one? Does anyone use that or is that, has it been killed? I think it? they're switching to Git too. I know they've added support for it, but the yeah. Team Foundation, it's got its yeah. own custom version control thing. If you, if you really want version to. Version control is the answer to that solution, right? I mean- I, Either well, that, or you can you, you can even download the metadata for that class. You can save it, back it up, zip it, true, yeah. put it on a server somewhere. It'll be there, and you can right. get it back. It doesn't have to be in your Salesforce system. Yep, that's our advice. Now for admins, admins have the same issue as well. They have tons of reports. They don't know if people are using them or not. They're afraid to delete them. They have tons of fields. They don't they don't want to delete them. You ever run across an admin who's not a developer? But they have become Git ninjas, and they version control all of their changes. They have a development process. They have controlled deployments. They can roll back a deployment. They can bisect their code to see what changed, to see what broke something. You run into an admin like that? Uh, no. Me neither. Have you? Because I was hoping No, but you, you know what? We need more of that. Uh, we do. Admins like that. Maybe, maybe that is our... That's our developer outreach program, is to get yeah. developer, no, it's uh, admin admins out, admin to think outreach. like developers. I don't, even, I don't even want to say that because that, that implies some, that, we're, that we think better. I don't even mean to say that. I'm just saying, hey, we've got a tool here that we think you could benefit from. That is a great solution. Yeah. I like that yeah. idea. That'll be our... Um, Instead of no code November, it's um, what? <laughs> that, that's going to be, our, that's gonna be our, our social thing. Our, that's our issue. That's our issue. That's how we're going to get in the newspaper. 
<laughs> Maybe that's Forbes will come interview us. That's right. <laughs> but we need a catchy title I know. and phrase. Why would, and... What could we call it? I don't know. <laughs> Anti hoarders. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, seriously, I would say, yeah, admins. If you don't do that, look at look at that. See, you know, because it will up your game. If you want to, if you want to work like a professional, and and there's lots of ways you can accomplish yeah. that. You can either use actual versioning tools, or if you're on enterprise or even develop or even ultimate, you can kind of create your own mock. Is this a new edition? I don't know about ultimate. Ultimate, unlimited. <laughs> all right salesforce comes out with it with an ultimate edition it's because of me yeah we trademarked it right now yeah so if you want it you have to yeah. license it i'm gonna go www.salesforceultimate.com yeah, is mine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i wonder but, if ultimate's one of the new top level domains if so you can get salesforce.ultimate probably that would be cool i don't think they care about that though yeah, probably not <laughs> although they did register salesforce.sucks yeah but that's for different reasons <laughs> yeah so anyways the ways you can accomplish that is, is is use you know version you know version control tools that are out there that that developers use like you know the ones we mentioned or you could even just even if just low budget way spin up a developer account refresh it that'll have all your metadata and everything so at least you have a copy of it you don't have to, you know if if you need that field back you can deploy it now you won't have the data but you could also do a, a Salesforce backup of that as well. Just tell it to back up the information or even use a data loader to extract it. Or the weekly export thing. Right. So there, there's ways to back up and store these things if you're kind of nervous about losing something. Um, yeah, get rid of it. But get rid of it. Clean don't, your system. Keep it, keep it lean, as lean as possible. Don't allow your org to wear its history on its sleeves. Chunk it. And, th- and my next, my next uh, tip. Maybe, maybe we should create a Salesforce cleaning service. There's tons of them out there, isn't there? There's like at least two no, or three. I mean, I mean like a bespoke custom bespoke. cleaning service. Oh. There you go. New business idea. Does the your, cleaners. Does your dirty Salesforce <laughs> org have you singing the blues? Call John and Jeremy. <laughs> that sounded a little strange. That was good. That was good. <laughs> Especially when you got a little breathy towards the end. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> Give me the tingles. That's my Stan Getz effect. <laughs> All right. My next topic is, is near and dear to your heart. And what you were talking about is declarative for the sake of declarative. And that is just because that's either the only thing you know how to do or because you just want to do declarative. You don't, you don't trust developers. Or every time you ask a developer to do something, it takes them forever. The deployment's a mess. Stuff breaks. If they, if they you, need you, to change you, it, it you takes up, them forever. You end up with tests in production somehow that are failing in production. Now you can't install anything. Now you can't uninstall anything. Why would you ever get a developer involved? It's always a mess. Yep. Right. But this is a this is actually a separate problem. It's actually that's actually a separate topic. Because if that's what's happening to you, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, one of my key topics on this is what I'm going to call dirty underwear fields. It's those fields that you know when someone comes by your house, you're kind of trying to kick it under the. I hope they don't see that. I hope they didn't see that. That one had streaks in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's those fields that you create because you're trying to chain a formula together. Or, y- you know, you're, you just got these fields that is, you only use for reporting because you had to do something, you know, that, you know, you really didn't have to do. You could have used the right tool for the job, maybe got a developer involved to actually code that. And a good example of that are, are these formulas that people get really proud of. 
They're like, oh, I created this massive formula. Yeah, it changed like that four no one fields. Can read. <laughs> and then and then I got really creative and broke the chain to get past the limit with a field update. Oh. And then I started my formula all oh. over again and it was all declarative. Yes, I'm awesome. No. That oh. could have been done with a trigger. Yeah. Could have probably been done with a process builder and invocable methods. I mean really I think the number one rule is like what's the simplest thing that could possibly work? Right. That's I, that's isn't that one of the I don't know who created that phrase. It's, I think it's associated with someone in the agile software movement, but yeah, the simplest thing that could possibly work, it's probably a Kent Beck thing. Yeah. Like that should be your go-to thing. But I think what some people don't realize, they, they think they are by, by chaining these, what are supposed to be, you know, clickety clackety tools together. Um, they're doing the simplest thing when in reality they're making this complex, you know, disaster mm-hmm. or disaster waiting to happen that whether it's them six months from now or some other person who's going to have to maintain that, look, they're going to look at that and they're not going to, first of all, it also violates the principle of least surprise, right? You find the formula like, oh, just make changes formula. What you didn't realize is that we're these hacky work field, workflow field updates that also then change some other formula on top of that one that happens in a later transaction or whatever. You know, it's like, it's, it's just impossible. It, it's going to surprise someone. It's going to break and it's not going to be maintainable. Right. Whereas like you said, what people perceive as being more complex apex, which actually is, is a, I don't know. It would be fairly simple. It seems simple. like a simple language. Because yeah. at least then you, you have a clear defined structure of, okay, I've got this value. I'm pulling right. this value. I'm calculating this information. Right. There's a clear entry point. You know, if you, if you write the code well, it should be readable. Right. I mean, that, that's one key. We talk about that sometimes. Is, you know, when, you're, when an admin or, or your client looks at your code and says, wow, that, I can actually read exactly what this thing does. That's when, that's when you nailed it, right? That's, that's when you're writing good code. Absolutely. That's when you get one of those. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Apex can be, and I don't want to say, I mean, Apex happens to be the language that we have to work with here, but, you know, code can be a very elegant, simple, and the right solution. Yeah. And that's the point. I mean, the, the right tool for the right job. I mean, keeping things <laughs> simple, it might take a developer, and, and maybe that's outside of your comfort zone, or maybe that requires a little more investment, but it might be the right thing for your system. It could be the, the simplest, cleanest way to accomplish your goal. But what do you do when your developers, these are the guys that, that aren't doing it right? You hire John and Jeremy. Well, because, <laughs> you know, in Salesforce, it's like they're been there, they've been driving for this to bring all, the, all these people who don't have software engineering backgrounds in to become, you know, developers in scare quotes. And they don't, they don't know a lot of these things. They weren't trained on them. They, they don't have an, you know, a software engineering background. They don't understand patterns, you know, so, n- you know, they're just in a different place in their career. Maybe they've recently made this career change to developer and they've, they've just, they've got a lot to learn still. Yeah. And, and you might be talking about more complex solutions that have to be solved. But I, I think, I think from this perspective, from this particular topic's perspective, it's that. But I want, I want to get, I want to give people that have that problem some advice. Like what would our advice be for them? I think you have got to, I think you've got to go talk to your developer or developers and understand where they're at and maybe what they should be looking at, what they should be learning things. You know, they should be, they should be developing their craft and, you know, growing professionally and looking at these things that we've been talking about as incorporating as techniques and tools and things. I mean, that's communication to me. That's, that's feedback to not only them, but to their management that says, Hey, I'm not getting the kind of quality that I would expect or that I need from, from this team or these individuals. 
and I mean that's that's standard. I mean not standard, but that's that's a normal part of of work life of you know being in a, in a business where you're trying to work as a team and you have all these different departments you're trying to interact with. It's setting the expectations. If those expectations aren't meet aren't met, communicating that and then providing enough feedback so that somehow somewhere that can get resolved. And if it doesn't get resolved, then you're probably at the wrong, wrong company, mm-hmm. and you need likely need to move on because you're better than that. Yeah. But I think I think from from a simple perspective, it's that the message is confusing because Salesforce wants you to believe that you can do everything declaratively, you can do anything and everything with their tooling, and that's clearly a marketing message, and, right? And, that's that's just a positioning strategy, and people really should understand that. I mean, if you're a professional in yeah. the Salesforce space, an admin developer, or whatever, when you hear the marketing messages, you have to take them with a grain of salt. Yeah, and I think my point is is that. If you can't do it declaratively, that's okay. You don't have to feel bad. You don't have to. You don't have to feel like, oh, I I couldn't do this. I failed. I need to get a developer because that's not that's not how it should be viewed. It should be, you know what? I think this will be better served by code than it would be by these these point and click tools because I'm gonna have to create like ten fields to, to right. solve it. Right. Yeah, and it, you know, I mean, a lot of times, you know, declarative. Gosh, this that's such a weird term, but anyway, we'll go with that. It, it's it is you know a desirable way to do something or, or the or the right way, um, but be careful. Of, you know what happens when you want something too hard when you try too hard to shove that round peg through the square hole. I think it, it just doesn't doesn't turn out well, right? So if you find yourself trying too hard, you've chained that long formula to that workflow update to that other long formula to you know whatever. You know, have have some self awareness of when you feel like you've crossed that line. Yeah, and that's when you're like, okay, let me. I should let's look at another, another way to do this. I mean, I do that even with whether no matter what. I mean, I may be working a code, and I realize that you know what, I am, I am. This is the wrong strategy. I need to back up, rethink this, and come up with a different way to do this because I can. I feel you know at some point you just feel you're like, oh wait, I just I just got that feeling. That yeah, I'm doing this wrong. But I came up with. I wanted to talk about like okay, so. The no code November month, but I want to flip that and talk about well, why why code? Why would you ever want to do code? Well, I mean, we've talked about a lot of them. Um, version control, right? What's the benefit of version control? Well, all kinds of things. You have a version of every every change in edit yeah, you've made. I mean, number one, you can if you need to roll back to what you the state your system was at a week ago because turns out you don't want what you did last week or the deployment was bad. You've Hopefully you've been tagging all your releases and you've got it all got under version control. If something went wrong and you need to do a bisect to figure out what changed or a, you know, a blame and figure out like, where, where, how did this get in here? Or, you know, you don't know where the bug was introduced and you've, you know, you've got these tools that help you look at those things. Yeah. Um, diffing and all just all sorts of stuff. Right. But it serves the purpose of removing some of that anxiety over getting rid of something or changing something. Or what if I break something? It gives you, it should Remove that anxiety and give you the opportunity to explore it. To it, say, "Hey, I'm going to just rewrite this function completely al- and see if I can make it better, more efficient, faster." It allows you to have courage to do the right thing. Courage is the perfect word. Yep. Um, another benefit of code automation. There's just a lot of stuff when you've got code that you can automate. I mean, whether it's building static resources, running tests, combi- you know, concatenating, and all kinds of stuff. Right? You can automate all these things. I mean. I, you know, I mean, I've, I'm a big fan of this. I mean, I'd like to automate all kinds of stuff because I don't know. And people have these rules. Like if you do, if you have to do something more than three times, automate it. Right. Right. Um, it just, 
it increases your quality because you're not there's you're not introducing manual steps that are error prone. Right. And it makes you faster. Well, I, th- I think you mixed in testing as well in that and and testing can be called out on its own as well. I mean, everything you do declaratively, that's not unit tested. There's nothing in the system that says, hey, you, 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 you know told you, me that you expect this value every time. You can write tests for those. I mean, a lot of those things, I mean, like for example, workflows. Let's, these are things that are generally within the capability of, of, a, of a good Salesforce administrator. But, does this, but are, they, are they typically going to write an Apex test to, to test that their workflow does what they think it's going to do? No. They could. They could. They absolutely they could. could. They absolutely could. And, and they should. That's, that's, that's not that. Wow. That's something no one has ever, ever <laughs> recommended in anything I've ever read that said, hey, and you if know you what? write a workflow rule, if you write, change any logic or validation, you should write a unit test to make sure it always does that. And what you just said, the fact that you have never even heard anyone express that idea is sad. And this is what I'm talking about. I feel like with all of Salesforce's resources and, I mean, just all the bloggers and evangelists and, and Dreamforce and the city tours and all this stuff, where's the leadership on this stuff? Well, Salesforce is trying to sell CRM licenses. So, I, I mean, they're not going to be the ones championing this. But us but in they, the community. But they employ all these people to do this kind of thing. They don't employ people to do anything. It's, it's those <laughs> of us that are in the community that actually drive a lot of this. And I say that, it is. I, I yeah. say that as a proud MVP. Yeah, I know. And maybe I'm at, I mean, I, I think it is up to people like us and random people, whoever, whoever wants to, to write a blog or to get on a podcast or to, to give a talk at Dreamforce, right? I mean, Salesforce, you can't, listen, you got to take responsibility for your own professional situation and and the job you do yeah um there's another thing to think about no matter whether you're clickety clackety or draggy droppy or you're pound, those pounding are, those out technical terms are, by the way whether you're pounding out code it actually all boils down to code it does you may not realize this but it all boils down to code and you know what that means it's all version controllable it's all diffable it's all testable you just have to write tests for it. You have to version control it. You have to understand what's going on. You take a take a peek under those covers. <laughs> that wasn't creepy at all. <laughs> what's under there? You know, turns out there's a code under there, and everything you do in Salesforce boils down to some kind of code that more and more nowadays is generally accessible as code through metadata or some other mechanism. Yeah. I mean, the Salesforce talks about API first. A part of that, in my opinion, is the metadata API. Of course, I don't think they can claim API first until they actually get full coverage of a, what you, everything you need in a Salesforce org via the metadata API. I don't think they're ever going to get there. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, that's all, it's, it's, it's actually all code. So, you know, you may be clicking and dragging and dropping, but you're, you're, you're actually creating code. You're just doing it in a different way than a developer might. You yeah. are creating code. You just you may not realize it. So, yeah, just just realize that and use the best type of code for the job. It's all code. How about that? It's actually all code. Use the right type of code for the job. I agree. <clears throat> we talked about this too, but in many cases, I just I'm going through some points here. In many cases, code is just a well-written code. Again, this is I know that's a big that's a big if. But if your code's well-written, it's going to be much easier to read than a workflow. It's going to be more organized. It's going to be you know, you can abstract things better. You can name, you have got more opportunity to name things and to split things up into maybe a, a family of classes that implement some pattern to do something in a really elegant way that's, you know, it's more extendable, yeah, maintainable, readable. I mean, the worst, the hardest thing for me to read in Salesforce generally is 
like workflows and these monster formulas. And those are just, those are the worst. Yeah. Code scales better. Code scales better. You don't have to, you don't have to page through screens to get to your workflow. If you had a lot of workflow, you know, you don't, um, I can, I can, I mean, I can, in my, whatever your IDE or text editor of choice, if you've got a good setup, you can do quick global find and replace on things. And again, I always complain about Salesforce refactoring and it is non-existent basically and incredibly difficult. But if I do want to rename a field that's got workflow and Apex classes and everything attached to it with the right tools, with, if you're using a, you know, a good editor or whatever you want, you can do a global, basically essentially global find and replace. And if you know how to use the metadata tools up your at or things like Solenopsis, which is a an open source project that um, a couple of guys wrote. Um, gosh, uh, let's see. Uh, Pecan, what's his name? Google. Um, there's another guy too. Where's our Google Music? He's actually, I think he's an MVP. But anyway, look up Solenopsis. Um, it it actually is kind of a a tool that. Sorry, God, it's a lip smack. That and I don't want to say wraps them. It uses the it uses the metadata API to do more intelligent deployments. Um, really cooler things with the with the API. Oh, where's the name? I found the uh, the Git repository. Does it give them self credit? They don't. Patrick Conley, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Okay, yep. Met him at Dreamforce. I actually went up to him. I'm like, um, <laughs> I'm a nerd. <laughs> Just want to say hi because I use your thing. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me the I hope he didn't say because I used your he kinda, thing. He kind of he kinda pulled away. Hope a he clarified thing there. <laughs> kind of pulled away, get it a little bit, and like brushed yeah. his arm off. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wonder if a lot of people felt that way about us because we were kind of nerding so. out yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can avoid. You can use the right language. Sometimes a formula may be the right language to use, but you know, it's, formulas don't really scale really big, in my opinion. Again, you can when you when you see that you've, you're starting to create a monster formula, that's when you're like, okay. Yeah, now, this is hard to read. And when you're having to like write your formula in a text editor so you can keep proper indenting and then you're copying, pasting that back and forth into Salesforce because, you know, once you save it in Salesforce, I think they don't, they don't keep your white space, right? Uh, I think they do. It's just, it's only in edit mode. Like whenever you view it, okay. all the white space is gone. But I think if you edit it, really? you still have your indentation or some of it, yeah. maybe not all of it. So, but anyway, when you get to that point, that's when you're uh, okay. Maybe I, maybe there's a different language that's better. I mean, you've got formulas, you've got, I mean, who knows, you know, you go obviously Apex. Maybe there's, you know, some, maybe it's something you can do via JavaScript, depending on what the context is. We talked about, you know, being more testable. Yeah. But the, re- but the reality is, is all these things are actually pretty testable. You just got to write tests for them. And Salesforce isn't going to bug you about not having code coverage for your workflows and your validation rules. That's another big one, validation rules. I mean, by, by you know, changing just the slightest little thing about a validation rule, you can break all kinds of things in your org and not realize it. Yeah. But if you don't have coverage over that, you're not going to know about it. And, and, and the way people view that is, oh, it broke those test thingies you wrote that you have to have. I mean, and, and it's almost like it works. They're able to implement it. It's in production because they're doing it in production. And it's almost like the development is hindering them from doing what they need to do because they want to deploy something new versus, oh, and and that's their thinking. It's it's like, man, I'm not describing this very well, but the, I, the, 
the mentality is that, oh, your thing is broken. But the reality is you broke it. You broke it with this new functionality you added into the system. You implemented these new restrictions of the system and you technically broke the system because my test is validating that XYZ happens in a certain sequence and a certain event and gets a certain result. Your change to the system broke the system. Right. Versus, oh, your, your tests aren't working. Go fix them. It's okay to break things. But if you, when you do break things, you want to know about it immediately. And hopefully you broke it in a test environment or a local environment. Well, there's no such thing as local environments. Some kind of test environment or a sandbox and not in production. That's the whole point of tests is, or one of the points is, you, you know, you can get, you know very soon whether you've broken something or not and you can fix it before it gets to production. Well, yeah. And I think. I'm struggling with how to say this the right way, but I think I think the have the, some more whiskey. I'm sure that'll help. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I lost my whole train of thought. Well, okay, so I want to flip this a little bit. Then, why might we want to? Let's talk about the no code November. Why would we want to avoid code in Salesforce land? I got one for you. Cost. Apex sucks good reason right you gotta throw that out there apex itself is is you're, you're assuming that code means apex code well in this in a, in a for a lot of things in salesforce that is your only choice no i i th- I, I firmly think that or i'm starting to develop this idea that as a community we need to do more to push companies outside of apex we don't we don't do enough to, to why why do we need to push companies outside of apex because because it, it is a crutch. It is a it is a kind of that easy thing to go to because it doesn't incur an additional expense, doesn't incur an additional thing. However, if Apex is the right solution for the job, great. If Apex isn't, why are we doing all this work to shoehorn all these things that we that we do into Apex to try to get it to work? Why are we trying to Give ass- me, why why are we building integrations with other systems and going this may or may not scale if if the return call from that is is larger than X megs or or if it takes longer than 10 seconds to process and parse this data that we're getting back from the service, it might fail. It might not scale. If we're asking and, and, and providing that type of feedback, Apex might not be the right solution. We may need to go to the client and say, hey, let's start thinking about Heroku. Let's start thinking about Amazon and AWS. I, I think a lot of times we focus too much on Apex because They've already incurred the inspect the expense of, of oh, okay. Salesforce licensing. Right. They're already paying for it, or so. and, and and we're coming. And Salesforce <clears> has already <throat> sold them on the idea that hey, you can do anything and everything you want with with declarative and Apex. Boom, you're done. But but we as consultants, we have to get we have to be a little more. We we have to be a little more aware of the situation, and we have to do a better job at, at expressing the need for moving outside of that system, moving outside of Apex. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you haven't, uh, that's that can the challenge with that is it can take some education, and your audience may not be real receptive, or just may not even be. You know, you get the deer in the headlights look because they just they don't get they don't. And know ultimately, it's their decision. But I, I think we we do need to do more about setting that expectation, providing that option, and saying, "Hey, I think this will scale better if we if we." If we tack on some Heroku licenses, we can do whatever we need to do to pre-process it there and move it into Salesforce. Right. Um, so another reason why you might want to avoid code in Salesforce is because you'll probably have to deal with a metadata API. 
you have to deal with deployments and the probably the ant tool or something like that. And there's just there are so many ways you can do it wrong. There, it's it's lot in so many cases the metadata API is not conducive to actually. You can't build a you can't create a consistent build in Salesforce that's like okay this is a good build it's been tested. Yeah, because it's any given build is targeted at a specific org that's in a specific state. And anytime anything changes, you, that build is now invalidated. It may not work. Right. It may not be right. You may hit some bug. You know, there's maybe some weird thing. You may be, but I mean, I've, there's, so many, there's so many weird little edge cases. Like there's this one. So you, you can have 10 roll-up summary fields on an object, right? They got so I had, a, I, had a summer, I had a situation where I have a build. I've actually replaced one. I, I'm at the 10 limit, okay? But I'm taking one off. I'm adding another one. You can't do that in the same build, the same deployment. You actually have to oh, split right. that up. Yeah. But that means that you can no longer just take your code base and deploy it. Now you've got to create these meta deployments that are just temporal. They're just, they're going to be, they're going to, you know, they're not necessarily different states of your code. It's just, you're trying to make the metadata API happy. You're actually dealing with one of these, just again, a, a Salesforce, like, what is that, a limit, I guess? What do you call yeah. that? But there's, you know, there's a thousand things like that that, you're, that you will run into. And this is why people think getting a developer involved is always a pain in the ass. So, so for completeness, remind me, how do you deploy something to Heroku? <laughs> get, get push. push <laughs> get push Heroku master. Yeah. It's as simple as that. It's, it's a single command yeah. line. And it's, yeah, you're not, there is, that's why, I, and I struggle to describe how different Salesforce deployment is than literally like every other system under the sun. Yeah. I mean, with the Heroku or any other model, you or most systems anyway, you have a known working build and you just drop that onto your runtime, onto your production platform and right. you're done. In the Salesforce world, it's like you have this block of wood that's it's already been carved into a shape, but you're trying to change that shape. So you're, you're whittling some off here with your knife and you're applying some putty to fill a hole over here. It's what you're doing is totally depending on what's already there. Yeah. It's probably, a, is that a good way to describe it? I don't know. No, I think so. I, I, I it's think just, it's a completely different way of thinking and it's got, it's got a lot of challenges with it. And it just makes, it makes developing on Salesforce in that aspect far more costly and unpredictable and time consuming. Yeah. I mean, Apex really should be viewed as, as a stored procedure language, as a scripting language on top of the database layer. I mean, we, no, it is. It is. It was we, designed we tr- to be a database triggering. We try language. to elevate it into this programming language. We try to elevate it into because do, that's and we get, what they're telling us it is. We, we get Pe- really excited. John, people are building giant ERP systems in Apex. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say we get really excited about our ability to kind of take this very simple proprietary language and get it to do some really nice things, and we take pride in that because it was it was painful. It was complex. Right. It took some blood, sweat, and tears to get it there, and so we're proud of that. But the reality is that if we'd chosen the right tool for the right job, we probably wouldn't have to gone through that. And unless you're trying to prove some kind of narcissistic point, you know, maybe we shouldn't be focused so much on Apex. Maybe we should be looking at other things and recommending other things and, and pointing, because we say, we say to admins all the time, and we spent a lot of time this podcast talking about admins use the right tool for the right job, but are, develop, are we as developers, Salesforce developers doing the same thing? Are we say, are we going to clients and saying, hey, you know what, Apex isn't the right tool. Let's let's look at Apex. It, I if, mean, let's look at Heroku again. If it depends on your situation, but a lot of people are in the situation of you know we've we've bought Salesforce as our platform, 
this is the tool that you have to work with. Yeah. Another thing is, um, I didn't write this down, I just thought of it, you know, the the timing of deployments. I mean, if you've got a relatively big org, I mean, it can take you two or three or four or overnight hours yeah. to just know if your deployment will succeed or not. And let's say you've got, a, I mean, this, and this is on the small end of things, let's say there are 10 problems with your deployment. A lot of times you will find out one at a time. You'll deploy, you'll find out what one of the problems is. You fix it, now you can deploy again. It depends on the type of problems, but that they can a lot of times be in that serial fashion that because of the type of problem is that it can't can't continue in the deployment, so it stops, and now you're not going to know what your other problems are until you fix that one and try to deploy again. And if this is a let's say it's, let's say it's a thirty minute deployment time, because we all know tests run incredibly slow in Salesforce for some reason, um, that's thirty minutes just to know. Not even that doesn't count fixing time, just to know what your problem is time. Yeah. And how many iterations of this can you do in a day? I mean, it's just really, really inefficient. Um, well, so, 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 I'm, so I'm talking about, you know, things that I think Salesforce should fix, things that are downsides about the platform. But then there's also just a lot of developers are doing it wrong. I mean, Salesforce is famous for bringing in the people who again aren't from d- development backgrounds they're not they're certainly not software engineers and saying hey take take the trailhead and then go get certified i'm certified i'm developer certified i passed the advanced certification i'm good to go right i mean do you know anything about security do you know anything about performance do you know anything about design well, they, design they, they patterns know, and practices they know enough and, to check the box in that multiple 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 select questionnaire yeah what are my certifications or whatever right i mean that's my certification right um so again there's a there's a lot of developers doing it wrong um, and I just think all these things together give admins a very bad impression of the complexity and difficulty of doing anything with code. And you know what? I don't blame them for not wanting to, to I'm not, I don't blame them for wanting to avoid code. Now think about it. Maybe no code in November is a damn good idea. <laughs> wow. You came I'm full circle. I'm changing my position. <laughs> uh, Your Honor, wow. can I change my vote, please? <laughs> wow. I've never seen Jeremy come full circle. No, like I'm this. just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to give fair treatment to the topic. I mean, honestly, well, there's a lot to think about there. We we peel that onion back quite a few layers. Well, I have a few more, and this one this one I got from. I was inspired by a Design It article. Just so you know, we're in uh, about an hour and eighteen minutes in. All right. Well, oh, Design It, Design It. Yeah, that's how you say it. It is how you say it. You <laughs> argued with me for a long time, and then yeah. I, I finally got to to talk to and Sean. Who do, we, and, who do we know at Design It? Sean and Jenny and old Matt formerly. Yep. Shout out to you guys. What's up? <laughs> Um, so anyways this article was written a few years ago um, by Amy Grenham and she took an interesting spin on on, and this was more about horror stories of implementation of of implementing you know how to prevent your Salesforce org from implementation from becoming a horror story basically yep but there's a few gems that that are in here that I thought contributed to my Let's talk about this. Let's figure out how we avoid this type of situation. It's a weird bug flying around. Flew right at me. Dive bombing you? I don't like flying. I don't like things flying at me. It freaks me out. No, I can't. Okay, so she described described as Dracula data, but I think I I think I have a better term for that, and that's zombie data. And that's just data that sits there. It's it's data that you that's long dead no one cares about it no one's used it but mm. you brought it over as part of your implementation you brought it over you migrated it over because you thought someone might need it 
One person in sales says, oh, I need that. If a customer calls, I need to know about that. And so you have this data that's just sitting there. It's just there. No one's using it, or maybe one person is using it. So how do we deal with that? Well, okay, so this reminds me of, the, I'll mention the, what are they called? The button click. Mm-hmm. Mr. Gerholton. Mr. Gerholton. Mr. Getting all Ms. official. Mike Gerholt and uh, Jillian McGill. Mad- is that right? Medill. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. sorry. At least you said Jillian. You didn't yeah. say the other word. No, they, they had someone like who was really interesting. Okay, I think he's a Salesforce consultant or something. But he talked about how, generally speaking, you shouldn't, you shouldn't even allow people to. No one should have access to delete data. Unless you're, unless you're at some data storage limit thing. You know, for example, allowing people, if, they, if, they, if a lead doesn't work out, just deleting the lead. Well, no, we, or an opportunity, you know, you lose it or you think you're going to lose that, just delete it, right? That's a bad idea. Um, or um, that nothing they talked about, which is, which is I mean, I guess a, a little a morbid, but an interesting topic is, um, let's say you have a contact in Salesforce and the person dies. You don't, you don't delete that contact record. No. Right, because that's that, that's it's got all kind of historical data to it. I mean, that doesn't fall into zombie data. I mean, you might though. set up the status of you know, do not email or opt out. <laughs> I hope you're not emailing them. <laughs> I mean, you're you're wasting your time. Um, but yeah, just this idea that, and I, I'll I would just say always really ask yourself the question: like, should we be deleting? Is deleting the right thing here? I mean, is it is it, is it this is we're talking about bits on a hard drive in some data center. That you can, you know, we have terabyte hard drives nowadays. Do you really need to be deleting things? You don't, I don't think users need to be deleting things, but I think in terms of when we talk about zombie data and we talk about data that's, that's either been brought over from a legacy system that someone thinks they might need. Okay. Or we talk about data that's kind of stale and old that gets factored into your search that gets factored into anything you might need to do in the system and it becomes clutter. It becomes something distracting. Something you have to actively try to filter out. And so you end up building these, these entire systems of functionality around that data. You build all these new record types and these new field page layouts. To hide them and stuff. Yeah. You do all these yeah. things to try and hide it or make the user experience better. When the reality is, is anyone really looking at this data? That's a good do we question. really need a, I, an archive record type? Right. You know? Right. Well, it's, these, are, these are not rhetorical questions in my mind. These are actually questions that you have to think hard, long and hard about and have, have conversations about. Right. Because maybe you do keep, maybe it is the right thing to keep it, but maybe it's truly dead and you just export it off, put it on a tape and put it in the closet, right? Yeah. Tape. Does that still exist or am I showing my age? You're always showing your age. <laughs> really? <laughs> At the time you say it. CRM, you're showing your age. <laughs> CRM, damn it. Yep. All right. So my, my next one from this article, inspired by this article, and I'm actually going to keep the name because I think it's a good name. It's, it's the Frankenstein. It's the, the cobbled together of mixed match parts to create a system, whether it's custom coding or app exchange applications or whatever. You just kind of tossed all this stuff it's together. The new, it's the new enterprise software. And now this is, it's, this monster that can't, it's this monster that can't really complete a sentence. There's like, that's your, that's your Salesforce system. Okay. It's just, that's what it is. Yeah. It's this monster. It's this beast. No one knows what it's doing. No one knows what that part does yeah. or where it came from. It looks like it came from a fish or a gerbil or something, but it's there. Someone might be <laughs> using it. There might be a reason for that. Right. How do I chop that off? Yeah. It's a good question. 
What's our advice? I think it's just so context specific, you know, it's depends on your situation. I mean, we, we, we've said before, we talked about, um, it's so easy to ignore the parts of the system that like all that data that you don't use that no one really needs. It's so easy just to ignore it because it's, it's like the thing that your brain, you see it so often you don't see it anymore. Or like you have a cuckoo clock in your house and it's, you hear it so often you don't, you don't hear it anymore. Your guests hear it. They come over like, Oh, what the hell is that? Yeah. But you be like, Oh, I don't even know. I don't even hear it anymore. It's that type of thing. Well, it's, a, I mean, this whole conversation is about being proactive. This whole situation is about, do I care about the quality of this application? Because yeah, you have to use this every day, right? right. I mean, when you, is, when you come in in the morning, on, on, on Monday morning, to start your week, and be honest, are you, do you dread logging into Salesforce? Or do you log into it happily thinking, this is, you know, we've really crafted this system. It's nice to use. It's usable. You know, we don't have any cruft in here. We keep it clean. We, we maintain it well. And is it a pleasure to get in and use in the morning? Is it helping you get your job done? Or is it just such a mess? Yeah. And so much crap you have to wade through. And a thousand tabs, you know, 900 of them are useless. Yeah. And, you know, an org that, you know, t- tons of failing tests in production and no one wants to deal with them. Right. And I, I, I know of one person that can say that. They can say they... They can enjoy logging into Salesforce, and that's uh, Mr. Shell Black. I'm sure. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's he has this he has this viewpoint, this very mentality that that you know he doesn't overly customize the system. You know, he tries to get as much done. Let, let the system do what it does, and he does what he does. If he needs customization, he's very methodical about it. If he needs an app installed, he's very methodical about it. He he really thinks through the system. You know what the impact that has on the entire system. It doesn't you know go adding fields all kinds of crap willy nilly, right? Because that's how you end up with you know four hundred and fifty fields on your account object. Yeah, and it's not to say that he doesn't get crap for it. It doesn't say that people don't come to him and say, "Hey, we we need to do this, and we need to install this. We need a project management tool. We need to do this. We need this and this and this and this, and we need all these new fields, and we need this hierarchy of data." Right. And he really challenges people to to really justify the need for that because he wants his system pristine. Does he have a change review board? No, he doesn't. He's the change review <laughs> exactly. He's like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Party of one. It's like you might need to buy me a few drinks before I say exactly. yes to that. Yeah. <laughs> so that well, if you want to, if you want to change in Shell's org, you know how to do it. Yeah, you know, you know how to get it approved. <laughs> Vodka. <laughs> no, but I mean it. It's it's a good. It's good to care about your system that way. It's good to care about the quality of your system, the quality of your tools, because the tools are there to help you get get your job done. It's, it's there to help you improve your life, you know, make it better, make it easier. So you're spending less time working on spreadsheets and creating manual reports and all those kind of things. These systems are there and w- our jobs as developers are there to help automate things, make things better, make things easier so that you can focus on things that really matter, making decisions, the things that people are good at. And, and to just kind of toss all these little things in or just kind of use the wrong tool for the right job because you can, you know, I, 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 think, I think that kind of mentality needs to be changed to, the, to where we're focusing on quality. We're focusing on what the system is doing for us, how it's benefiting us, how it's benefiting our users, those type of things. Yeah. I think a lot of it's just having some awareness. Some, you know, make sure you're self-aware about these things. Make, don't don't, it's, it's don't be, get don't get lulled into being used to the to all those useless tabs across your screen. Yeah, every single one of those should justify themselves. It's almost like we're advocating being a jerk. Does your homepage have a ton of crap <laughs> be, on it? Being that no, admin that, that everyone hates to go to no. because they're going to say no. You should care about this, and there should be a level of discipline. 
it does take discipline. It does take discipline. It does take kind of the courage to say, you know what? You haven't justified that effectively to me. I yeah. don't see how that's going to benefit the system or long-term is going to scale. And you're it, asking me to do something very specific for this one point in time, for this one thing right. that's going to last two months. For the sharpest of edge cases. Right. right. And, and not, you know, you always have to be careful that you're not like the, you know, the curmudgeonly IT guy who says no to everything. But saying no is a damn good thing to do. Yeah. I mean, that's the other side of it. I mean, saying no to everything can be detrimental as well. I mean, it, I mean, that kind of inflexibility can be detrimental. Well, you always have to have an open mind and consider, you have to consider requests. But yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be afraid to say no. And, but, and here's why, right? Yeah. Wow. We are, I feel so preachy. I know. I, I just, got, I just got into it. I, 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 meant, I meant for this segment to kind of be more about giving advice to these problems that we all face instead. We got a little preachy. I didn't, have, any, I didn't have near this. I mean, I, there's this ton of stuff we are just not going to get to that I had, but. It's okay. Well, like what? what what's, what's I mean, your, just we basically got to one of my topics. What, what's one of your top topics that you want to get to? I don't that want we to. Get I don't to. want to give it away. Maybe it's a future topic. I'll save it. No, we'll do it right now. What time? Maybe is it? um that uh, Wall Street thinks Amazon is a Amazon Web Services is a one hundred sixty billion dollar business. Ooh, currently. let's talk about that. I want to talk about that. We don't. We just don't have time. We got to wrap up, man. Wrap it up. We need one of those the lights, the, the little light, the sign. Did you see the Dave Chappelle episode? What was that Chappelle show? The wrap it up. The Chappelle show? To, I'm, it's, it's not safe for work, so I'm not going to go into it, but wrap it up. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff, but anyway. I was right, by the way. You, you won't make that a clip. You'll make Jeremy was right a clip, but you won't make I was right, by the way. Jeremy was okay. right. You won't make I was right, by the way, a clip, will you? Nope. Look. It's gone, yeah. We have a, <laughs> we have a problem. And to that, I say, good day, sir. <laughs> oh, my God!